Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Zombie Girls Horror Podcast. I'm your co-host, Rachel, and joining me is a plethora of ladies who are feeling the Women in Horror Month spirit, Matilda. Hello. Sarah. Hi. And Ariel. Hi. How is life on the other side of the vaccine, girl? <laughs> Not quite there I yet, feel like but I, I'm feeling pretty good. I just good. want to touch the hem of your skirt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm feeling very lucky. It's going to be a little while, though, before I can actually feel safe, you know? Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. But totally. yeah. So, it's Women in Horror Month. How are you guys feeling? Are you feeling the spirit? I, I joked that you were, but I guess I shouldn't put words in your mouth. Yeah, definitely. I think we've talked about this, but I just think it's so exciting how many women-directed horror movies came out last year and then how many are coming out this year. It yeah. just feels mm-hmm. like there's been a big shift, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. definitely for those people who are not on our facebook every year we do recommendations and there's been various topics and this year we decided just to focus on movies that are coming out movies and books that are coming out this year that are directed or written by women and it was so easy which blew me away we almost could have we could almost were able to just do movies because e here we are in february and there have been so many announced already that are mm-hmm. women directed that you could almost fill the entire month. And that was not true in Women in Horror Month yeah. year one. <laughs> yeah, we really you. struggled in the beginning. Like, yeah. <laughs> should we talk about Near Dark or should we talk about Pet Cemetery? Right. Yeah. <laughs> I found this one on YouTube that's a student film and I think it's a girl. <laughs> <laughs> it was grim, dude. Grim. So, so this one feels a little bit like a celebration, which is exciting but also we'll we'll get into it in our patreon extended conversation about the future of women in hormones and what that may or may not look like yeah mm-hmm. yeah. yeah 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 stay tuned for that if you're a patreon or join because there you go <laughs> ding 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 mm-hmm. <laughs> the other thing is is it's uh it's valentine's day this month are you guys feeling romantic do you have any sexy plans for this month I am quarantining alone with a family member, so it's just going to be me and the cats having dinner together, essentially. Nice. Nice. <laughs> That's a solid Valentine's Day. I mean, Sarah, I've had worse Valentine's Days. Let yeah, me that's true. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, what about you, Sarah? Do you have anything planned for your wifey? No. Let's see. During the day, we're a uh, Star Trek RPG with some friends. Nice. Let's see. That's... Yeah, that's about it. All right. Not, you're not going <laughs> to get, fun, like, takeout or no gifts, no nookie, nothing. We've never really done anything special for Valentine's Day. It's just not our thing. That's fair. Why pay triple the price when you can go get the same food on, you know, the next day? That's true. That's true. Now, Matilda, I know you got some Valentine's Day plans. I- I'm counting on you to be the romantic in the group here. <laughs> well, it's our kind of first date anniversary, but... I think this year, because we're still in shelter in place, I suspect that means I'm going to wear my nice pajama pants. Yeah, <laughs> bow, take a wow, wow. <laughs> I don't get too wild. Yeah. And maybe get some takeout. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. And then we usually we usually watch a movie that is a romantic movie that we like together, which often is Grumpy Old Men. 
Yeah, I think what I'm just going to do take out. Probably going to watch that new Nick Cage movie, Willy's Wonderland. Oh, that's right. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. yeah. That's, that's my time. date. <laughs> hey, listen, it's good. And I think there's potential. That could be really fun. I'm hoping. Oh, I'm it hoping. could be. Yeah. Totally. I want to hear your report. When Fingers crossed. Because it comes out a couple days before Valentine's Day. And uh, I, I, to be fair, I stole this idea from Justin from Here's Johnny. That's what him and his wife are doing. And I was like ding 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 <laughs> yeah. we have no, found an activity <laughs> yeah i mean listen yeah you know, it's the little things right now right you gotta just take oh, it is joy in the yeah. little things yeah awesome okay well romance is somewhat alive i guess <laughs> <laughs> it's on life support but it's still ticking okay good well yeah. all right that's what i'm gonna be watching let's talk about what we have been watching Ariel, what have you been watching, my friend? Yeah, so one of the things that I've been really excited about is season two of Servant, yes. which is the M. Night Shyamalan show on Apple Plus. Yes, or, I wait, haven't watched this week's episode Plus? yet, but. Oh, you haven't? Oh, you got to watch I, it. I got as far as pizza. That's that's where I'm at. Okay, I that is a good pizza. episode. <laughs> you think? Yeah, the next one escalates things more. So. Really? Yeah, yeah. So we're about halfway through the second season now, and. The first season is just so weird, and mm-hmm. this season totally builds on that. And even though we're halfway through the second season, there are still so many unanswered questions. Yeah. But I'm not bored by it. I'm just dying to know what's happening. For instance, the husband has all this weird stuff happening with him where he can't taste, and he keeps finding slivers in parts of his body, and we have no idea why that's happening. Mm-hmm. so yeah it's just it's i don't want to give any of the plot away because if you haven't seen it you should just go in cold but it is one of the most bizarre shows i've ever watched and it's really good and the the tension is great all the acting is amazing mm-hmm. it's so yeah. good looking too it's, it really is it's a beautifully made show i mean it is just an exercise and atmosphere too yeah it's just so fucking moody but in the best way i love it right, have you guys watched this either of you ladies no, it's on my list, no. and I just got access to Apple TV. Dude, so. you need – I mean, and the thing is, the episodes are a half hour long, and so the, okay. you just breeze through it. It's so strange. Yeah, it's really strange, and even though, like we were saying, it's a really moody, atmospheric show, a lot happens, too. Mm-hmm. You, you never feel bored by it, ever. Mm-mm. And it's, it's just, oh, like, so, it's- so lush. And let me tell you – the wallpaper i know their house is amazing it's so pretty yeah it's all very low light and i don't know it feels like a rainy day you know that sort of feeling that you get on a rainy day that's just a little bit spooky and you kind of want a cozy little scary movie that's Mm -hmm. what it it feels like as a show yeah that's perfect yeah yeah i i highly recommend it i'm so glad you're enjoying it I am. I didn't like. I said I didn't get to watch last night's or this week's last night. I ran out of time, but the season is so good. It's so good. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. I'd be very curious to hear what you guys have to say about it because it's just yeah, it really surprised me. Rachel told me last season to watch it without reading anything about it. Yeah, don't read anything about it. Did not disappoint. (laughs) I mean, because it's extremely mysterious, and you know, spoilers. There are spoilers out there, so I think it's best experienced just kind of going like. What is happening? The mystery is a big part of what makes it so enjoyable. Yes. Yeah. The majority of the episodes of that show are directed by women. 
Are they? Yeah, including Julia Ducournau, who did Raw. Oh, okay. Oh, cool. And also Ooh. M. Night Shyamalan's daughter is Shauna. Awesome. What else have you been watching? So the other thing that I watched was Synchronic, and mm-hmm. I think maybe the rest of you guys watched that one, too. I did. Yeah. Not yet. Okay. So it's directed by uh, Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead, and they're the guys that did The Endless, and Rachel, what was the first movie they did? Resolution. Resolution. Yeah. They also did sort of a Lovecrafty love story that you probably really like. Oh, okay. I need to check that out. I didn't realize. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is their newest movie, and... This is another one where I think the less you know about it going in, probably the better. I kind of feel that way about all the movies of theirs that I've watched. Yeah, that's true. But essentially, it's two guys who are best friends, and they are paramedics, and they keep getting called onto the scenes of these very bizarre injuries and deaths, and they realize that they're all relating back to this drug called Synchronic that people are trying. And then it kind of goes from there where one of them is sort of trying the drugs for a specific reason. Anyways, it's bizarre and it's strange but it's so good it's mm-hmm. really well acted mm-hmm. anthony mackie yeah, yeah. love great. him love yeah. so good so good yeah it's just it's not i wouldn't necessarily even say it's a horror movie exactly yeah it's more of a sci-fi drama kind of thing yeah 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 but it's definitely creepy and weird and it goes into these really imaginative places that i did not see coming at the start of the movie (laughs) right 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 i love all the little breadcrumbs too at all of the the crime scenes scenes. the scenes Yeah. yeah yeah and even the crime scenes themselves are just yeah so strange and mm-hmm. you're right the breadcrumbs that leave behind where you're like wait how did this happen why did this happen what is that mm-hmm. weapon yeah it's all really good so i would highly recommend it i agree i agree i i i wish we'd all seen it so we could talk about the end because i want to know what your interpret your guys's interpretation of the end is it i'll just say what do you do you think it had a happy ending or a sad ending how to talk about it without saying <laughs> what I, I mean you can just say happy or uh, happy or sad is in like do you which of the two things do you think happened at the end there what I was... lean more towards sad okay I do too I think happy yeah. I think there's oh, evidence really? for happy okay oh if you think about the chair and the tree I think there's reason to believe that it had a happy ending the rock or the the tr- okay, do you remember when the he's, tree. he ends up in the tree and he's in a chair and he says there's something about the Touching the chair. Yeah. It grounds you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, so when he touched him, is that That's what, you're what I think. I think so. Oh, oh interesting. That's my okay. interpretation. Okay. Uh-huh. Because huh. I was, at first I was like, this is sad. And then we started to talk it through and I was like, wait a minute. I think this is actually happy. Okay. But they left that a little ambiguous and you have to put the clues together yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I would love to read interviews by the directors to hear what they have to say. Yeah. About it. Well, they're busy yeah. making the Moon Knight series for Marvel next. So. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Talk I don't about know what Moon Knight is, but dude. that sounds okay. cool. Well, it ha- I don't really either, except for it's the new Marvel series, and it's going to star Oscar Isaac. So I'm like, ooh. And then it's Justin Benson and um, Aaron Moorhead. So I'm like, I'm in. Damn. <laughs> yeah. I mean, good for deal. them. Get paid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, definitely, definitely. Although I really wish they would go back to the resolution. I want a third, I, I want a trilogy in the resolution yes. endless um, Me too. Series. I mean, this one kind of mentioned resolution a little bit, like did the it? red drug. Yeah, because oh, they said something? it was derived from a red plant that was found <gasps> on a hillside. 
what you're right i didn't yeah. make that connection that's so dull i know <laughs> i was so excited when i heard that part oh my god I, i'm so about the warhead benson universe yes but i agree as much as i'm ex- i mean i love superhero movies they're dumb fun and seeing what they would do with them i find that i mean that's really interesting like taika watiti did such a great job I think it, that mm-hmm. would be a fun idea, but I also would really like, yeah, more of this universe they created. I will say after watching WandaVision, which I'm guessing we're going to get into with Sarah, but clearly they can go some weird places with the MCU TV uh-huh. show. So yeah. choosing them makes me very excited that we're doing something that is atypical. So yeah, fingers crossed. I would kind of wish they would do a Doctor Strange movie. Right. Oh, that would be cool. That yeah. would be cool because they would do some weird. Yes, time bendy, time bendy, metaphysical, multiverse <laughs> yeah, kind of exactly. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, have you ladies seen their other movies? Anybody else seen their other movies? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. 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 Mm-hmm. That's what drew me to this one. Oh, right. You saw this as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. So well acted, that central relationship between the two guys. Yeah, yeah. it felt so real. That felt like it was a real so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And the kind of city of New Orleans as a character is always something mm-hmm. I appreciate. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In movies, uh, which this has. Yeah, it's just gorgeous. Mm-hmm. I loved the animal control guy. <laughs> I was, oh, yeah. I would have liked more of him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's such a wonderful little weirdo out of nowhere. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the dog thing made me pretty sad. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was rough. That was rough. Yeah. No pun intended. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know the dad rule, right? What's the dad rule? The dad rule is something that Patrick from Scream Queens came up with. Okay. And that's the dog always dies. No, I don't like that rule. No, it's, like it's that almost either. always true in horror movies. If there's a dog, yeah, it's gonna die. That's yeah, true. I mean, I admit the minute I see any animal, I'm immediately like googling, "Does the dog die?" <laughs> I know. Like when I watched yeah. the movie Crawl, the whole movie, I was like, "Oh God, is the dog gonna die? Oh God, is the dog gonna die?" Oh God. Yeah. There was versions, apparently various versions of that script where the dog dies. Right. One of which where the dad throws the dog to the alligator oh, to get them free. And, that, and the director was like, I can't kill any more dogs on screen. I'm trying to get my U.S. citizenship. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Any other thoughts on Synchronic? Anybody? See it. It's good. It's fun. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, Matilda, what have you been watching? So I also watched Synchronic and then I watched a pair of movies that feel that have a lot in common. Okay. I won't totally spoil this. I wasn't trying to do that. It just kind of worked out that way. Yeah. Um, and those movies are hashtag like mm-hmm. and promising young woman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and I felt a little differently about them. That's good. Cause I was curious about hashtag like, but I'll be honest, my ceiling of uh, upsetting feelings, content has been uh, exceeded by a promising young woman so yeah i think you're in the clear here okay good good and i'd be really interested to know what you think okay because i feel like it explores some of the same territory in a way that doesn't make you fill with rage yeah <laughs> <laughs> In a way that doesn't, can are we going to talk about this a little bit, about Promising Young Woman? Yeah. Go ahead and talk about it. Yeah, get okay. into it. 
So we're gonna we're gonna have to spoil this in order to talk about it effectively. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. I stand by unless you are super 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 spoiler averse. I, as someone who does not like spoilers, actually wish I had known how this movie progresses because to uh, then I would maybe not have felt so betrayed. (laughs) You mean then you wouldn't have felt like you ordered dessert and got served a shit sandwich? Yes. Damn. Here's the thing is I'm of two minds. It's Women in Horror Month and it feels weird to be like I hated this woman directed movie but at the same time I feel like a lot of people are about to watch this movie and maybe they should know what they're getting themselves into. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the first 80% of this movie Mm -hmm is pretty great yeah everything but the last act yeah to me totally worked totally landed it's very candy colored and carrie mulligan is great really really great really great laverne cox is great there's a subplot around somebody who's been through a lot kind of learning to open to dating that's actually i think done really well and then the last act, I mean, how would you say this? So this is a rape revenge movie and it's a rape revenge movie on behalf of someone else. Mm-hmm. The oh, plot okay. of this is that she is an ex medical student and she went to medical school with a good friend of hers. They were in school together and that friend was sexually assaulted. She was not taken seriously and she ends up, committing suicide although you okay. see none of this at no time do you ever does the person who actually experienced the assault have any personhood whatsoever except for by proxy of other characters that's right Ooh, ouch gotcha. that's right. though i will say that the way that they show you hear audio of the assault and they spare you the visual and i think that's smart and i think that's actually a kind of a good choice well i see i take major issue with it Oh, did you? Yes, because I, it's the same problem we had with the Sansa rape in Game of Thrones, where this person's assault becomes around about everybody else but the person who actually experienced it. Oh, true. <laughs> so we see the main character kind of struggling and drifting in her life. And she has a, this kind of mission where she goes to bars and pretends to be very, very intoxicated. And when a quote unquote nice guy inevitably agrees to try offers to see her home and gets handsy with her, then she comes out of her I'm intoxicated routine and lectures and kind of shames the dude. Okay. And you see them as kind of like McLovin is one of them. Right? That like one's the see... best one in my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> it does this portion of the spectrum really well. Yeah, the nice does, guys yeah. who think they're nice guys, but they're actually creeps. It gets at the NZs and sorry end of the spectrum really, really okay. well. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Her parents are kind of like, what's going on with you? And, you know, her boss is like, do you want more in your life than this? The promising young woman thing is probably both about the friend and then also about she is definitely not living up to what it, the potential that people believe she has. Yeah, gotcha. Because she's kind of stuck in this groove mm-hmm. with this compulsive grief thing with her friend, basically. Mm-hmm. She tortures a couple of other women mm-hmm. that were involved in downplaying the sexual assault of her friend. And she does that through her own version of letting them believe a sexual assault has occurred or will occur. 
that's where I started to become uncomfortable. Right. Mm. In this movie. And then, Rachel, you take it away for the final. So there's some little twisty twists. She gets a little romance going at one point, And it turns out he's not a great guy either. And it just spurs her deeper into wanting revenge. And she finds out that the guy that raped her friend is getting married. And he has a bachelor party coming up. So all the photos of you seen of her as a nurse with that bomb-ass pastel wig. Mm-hmm. She goes in and poses as a stripper with the plans of getting even with the guy. Okay. He manages to get free. He holds her down and then kills her with a pillow. Then him and mm. his friend take her out, her body out, burn it. Oh, my God. Yep. End of movie. Yeah. Gotcha. We yeah. don't get to see anything from the perspective of the woman who was raped. Nope. And then the woman who's doing the revenge, we also get a very long, excruciating scene of her being murdered. Yes. Correct. And cool. this is framed as justice? Question mark? What sucks is the, eight, like you said, the 80% before is so good. It's real good. I mean, it has little problems, but these movies are going to. They just are. To thread the needle perfectly is impossible. Right. And so mm-hmm. I'm willing to kind of, I'd be like, yeah, this is, you know, maybe not this part's not great, but the overall message is really great. Mm-hmm. The weird thing is, though, and there's, we have a bonus episode coming out for patrons that I did in with Here's Johnny. They're, they're also doing it if you're one of their patrons. Mm-hmm. Where we talk about it. And what was interesting was hearing Larry talk about his experience, because as someone who is not firsthand experienced all of the levels of rape culture, this movie was very eye-opening for him. So I think there's some value to this movie. I just don't know that for people like us, I feel like it is a total sucker punch because he felt like it was a war cry and I felt like it was the death of hope. And it's just, don't try. Don't try. If you want any justice, be willing to... You, you have to murder yourself to get any modicum of justice. You don't get to live to see the justice, though. No, no, no. Yeah. But it takes two the death of two women to get a, a tiny bit of justice. For- right. Here's the twist. What if you could orchestrate something so that you put your cold body someplace where that could get somebody in trouble? Yeah. <laughs> right. So, like- so, so it's kind of like the uh, beginning of The Descent 2 where... The, the only reason they're rescuing, rescuing the women is because Juno's a senator's daughter? I guess. Mm. Sure. Or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah, it's... Dude. If at the end of Kill Bill, somebody came and just slowly choked out Uma Thurman, that's kind of the experience. Yeah, that would have made me real angry. It, it, yes. I, I mean, I understand it's a twist on rape revenge, but also, that's not why I watched Well, that. it's all catharsis <laughs> up front and punishment in the end. Yeah. Yeah, And the yeah, thing is, is it's very brutal. divisive. And there are some people who stand hard for this ending. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, thoughtful people. Mm-hmm. I, just... I know. I had to go read all the think pieces. And it was hard to find people who were like, eh. Yeah. I don't know, guys. Oh, so most people seem to enjoy it. Most people seem fawning about this Oof. movie. There is a ton of Oscar buzz for this movie. If this is the rape revenge movie that wins all the awards, you will never convince me that we are not living in some nightmare yeah. patriarchy simulation, dude. Yeah. Of all the really interesting, thoughtful twists and iterations on rape revenge, the one where Carrie Mulligan gets choked to death in real time is the one that wins. 
Yeah. Mm. That's not to say that her performance isn't incredible. It is. There's a scene with between her and uh, Alfred Molina that, I mean, is rattlingly good. Who plays the attorney? Yes. Yeah. What's yep. happening, the internal shit that is expressed on her face, the pain, the confusion, the relief, mm-hmm. all of it on her face is so incredible. Do I think she actually kind of deserves the award? Yeah, I do. But the, I don't think the rest of the movie does. No, the problem mm. is with the script. Yeah. I mean, the performances in this are great. Alison Brie is great. Connie Britton is great. Mm-hmm. Laverne Cox is great. Bo Burnham is great. Bo Burnham is great in this. And the script had some problems. <laughs> 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 so the, the caliber of actor in this is extremely elevated. And there are things to recommend it. And I, like I said, if, uh, you know, if for someone who is not steeped in culture already, maybe this is a revelatory watch. And I don't want to take that away from people who do feel that way. But I think for people like us four, and maybe some people in the audience who have seen, you know, two, three, four, ten Mm -hmm. rape revenge movies, or who have spent a lot of time or our survivors, or friends of survivors, there's a very good chance this is not going to be a positive viewing experience. For some people, mm. it might be, and no judgment. But just, I think it's so blindsiding and so triggering that you actually need to know what you're signing up for with this. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, well, I thank mean, you. It, I do appreciate that, actually. It does it differently, but I'm not sure. I don't think it's a good thing, actually. Yeah. I mean, I say, you want, if you want the same sort of thing, theme or i would watch mfa or a vigilante mm-hmm. i mean hashtag like has some interesting stuff mm-hmm. and is a little bit more in the hard candy averse yeah mm. mm-hmm. and those performances are excellent i would of these two that i, I would go with that one oh sure. okay 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 that's, that's good to know i mean the promising young woman in terms of its gloss and its beauty and its design and all of that kind of thing is and its soundtrack is phenomenal oh the soundtrack is so good you guys there's a classical strings arrangement of britney spears is toxic oh wow i've heard that version it's so good i get the idea of being like okay subvert your expectations but i feel like it's done at the expense of your audience in a way and at the expense of women yeah just period in yeah. the movie out of the movie and and i know she kept saying you know there's traditional rape revenge but that's not how the world works and i want to show how the world works we already know yeah <laughs> yep oh yeah <laughs> yeah this is, right i can it, watch senate hearings for that i don't need right you know oh, <laughs> yeah it was dark exactly. no it's true it's absolutely yeah. true it, no yeah. no no it is true yeah yeah mm. You know, Evan Rachel Woods finally, mm-hmm. you know, she's spoken year, for years about her abuse and it was alleged. Now she finally confirmed that, yes, it's Marilyn Manson. Yeah. You know how many people in, in music groups I still see like, well, you know, you know, well, she knew he was a scumbag. He's always been a scumbag. Mm-hmm. Or. Dude, she was. West, West Borland. West Borland came forward and said, you know, Manson is a scumbag. I totally believe Rachel. I saw some of what she's talking about and it was disgusting and somebody a female replied oh awesome a straight white guy has confirmed it so we all know it's true and man the dudes that were losing their fucking minds over her comment it's like 
no you don't get it for years she's been saying that there was abusers she gave you all the hints and you know how many people were were still like well she dated mickey rourke around that time too and he's also significantly older so you know it could be him yeah and it's just like oh you know what's crazy is we're all talking about manson here we've already already forgot about army hammer We've already all forgot about right. Shia LaBeouf. It's just one after another, and it they fade. The stories fade. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, yeah, that's it's a that's the most stream of them. Well, I just mentioned it because it was the most recent right, one. Right, right. No, I, I mean, I it's think, just a few course. days ago. But yeah, I mean, of course. I mean, we've been same thing. We've been hearing for years that Shia LaBeouf is a scumbag. And guess what? Yeah. He's a scumbag. He's a scumbag. Right. Mm-hmm. right. The Army Hammer thing, I was surprised by, but then also I was like, yeah, okay, I can see it. He looks like. He looks like every guy in one of those secret society brat. <laughs> right. <laughs> that dude definitely has a robe in some color. <laughs> a hooded robe in some color. <laughs> also, I found out that his name is actually Armand Hammer, and his family owns part of Arm and Hammer. Oh, really? Oh, is that true? <laughs> yes. So they named him Armand Hammer? I don't know. I don't know if they named him. He's named after his grandfather, but I don't know if his grandfather bought Arm and Hammer because he thought it was funny or if he, that he, yeah, I don't, or if he named it after himself or what, I don't know. <laughs> uh, all right. So promising young woman, not so That's promising. Not so promising. Yeah. Thank you for helping me break that down. That You're was... welcome. You're welcome. Yeah. I don't know. All right. All right. I've given this movie enough of my mental and emotional bandwidth. I'm ready to put this in the past. I'm ready to move on. (laughs) All right. Sarah, what have you been watching? Oh, God. I'm looking at your list. (laughs) What have you been watching, my friend? All right. So I watched the uh, new Night Stalker documentary on Netflix. And Mm -hmm. I was, yeah. I mean, I enjoyed it. It It was cool seeing the cops. And it was more focused on how they caught him versus you know the more sensational aspects of his crime it's like Ooh, i like that oh, yeah he drew some pentagons on some on some shit but yeah you know yeah so yeah you're right i've been watching it too i haven't quite finished i think i have one episode to go but that is yeah. what drew me in too because i've seen documentaries about him before but it always focuses on the details of his crime and while you get some of that in this one it's a yeah. lot more about the detective work yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a lot more about the detective work, about, you know, the little pieces that they put together, you know, how they were able to connect San, the San Francisco and, and L.A. murders. And it was good. I, I enjoyed it. Wife isn't a big true crime person, and she actually really enjoyed it. Oh, OK. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm, so, yeah. I just thought it was well done. What's astonishing about those crimes to me is because of the time period it was in, he left so much goddamn evidence at every crime scene yeah he left so much evidence and yet it still took them forever and i think what's interesting about the documentary is it shows you these two detectives who really kind of wrecked their lives for years trying to catch this guy but then it also does touch on the mistakes that were made yeah with the different police departments how they weren't communicating with each other how there were these turf war bullshit macho shit going on that Mm -hmm. kept them from putting pieces together that they probably could have put together years earlier how they actually destroyed evidence sort of accidentally but really through negligence yeah yeah all of that i found fascinating too and the way he's apprehended the kind of footage of how he's apprehended by the neighborhood yes yeah is so fucking great well 
and, it, and it's just so great because you hear at all the true crime shows yeah you know the cops got there he was he was you know banging on the car and you know flashing flashing you know the double horns blah 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 instead they show the actual footage and he's sitting there with his head bandaged looking like he's gonna cry <laughs> his hands cuffed behind his back yeah like, i will yeah. say for for people who might not want to see this there's a lot of crime scene photos in this yeah this is high on the lingering on the crime scene photos footage yeah and and there is i wouldn't necessarily say graphic but definitely detailed narrative of child yes. sexual yeah. assault yeah. yeah, so just be prepared for that. So, There's a lot of good stuff yeah. in the documentary, but especially if you don't, you know, foray into true crime a lot, this might be a little shocking. I mean, what what, what can you say going into it other than it's a documentary about a murdering rapist, yep. child rapist, mm -hmm. serial killer. So if there's got to be trigger warnings on it, you may not just want to go yeah. there at all. Yeah, you know, I think a lot, so much of how he was covered in the press was around the pentagrams and around the, the satanic stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, that's not at all what was wrong with this guy. Right. <laughs> like, yes, exactly. Yeah. It's kind of like talking about Trump's hair. I understand that it's upsetting, but also it's, <laughs> that's not at all what's wrong with him. <laughs> yeah. Good analogy. <laughs> and it's like newspaper writer, a news person said, you know, this is like the Manson cases. And then the pentagram started mm -hmm. to show up. Yeah. 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 It, also, who knew you could do so much with a footprint, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Dang, I gotta watch this. I was a little scared off by Sarah in the our Discord when you were like, I'm a gorehound. This is too much for me. I was like, oh. Yeah, no, I mean, it's pretty It's pretty graphic. It, there's no lie, no lie about that. The crime scene photos are mm. brutal. Yeah. Yeah, his crimes were brutal. They're brutal. They're strangers. It's, you know, while people were asleep. Yeah. And that's kind so of stuff my that... fear. <laughs> watch, yeah. watch it in the daytime. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is what I would say. Don't make it the last thing you watch before you go to bed. Okay. Because, yeah, the Michelle McNamara <laughs> book. It was our no Yeah. The mistakes were made. I, I would listen to that and then try to go to sleep and it was not happening. No. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. All right. What else have you been watching, Sarah? I saw the first two seasons of Star Trek Discovery. Ooh, finally! Someone else has watched yes. it! <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know what? It's, it's really good. I like it a lot, but I see where people are like, dude, can Michael quit crying? Yeah. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I have a deep affection for Michael, but that is true. I don't but, know. but you know what? I, I think I would, I think I would be crying too yeah. if I found out that my mom is not my mom, is not my mom, who's not my mom, who's also not my mom. Yeah. <laughs> but somehow Jenny Schechter is my mom in all three timelines, in all the timelines. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I'm not even the one who's supposed to be in the, Jenny in this timeline. <laughs> That's the L word. Oh my God. Yes! Dude, the wife, the wife was so mad every time, every time she'd come on screen. She was just like, I hate her so much. <laughs> I just hate her so much that I can't stand looking at her. I see her and I just want her to go away. That's understandable. Yeah. <laughs> Rarely has a character burned through your goodwill faster than Jenny Schechter. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for, for, for people that don't understand, Jenny Schechter was a, a character in The L Word. And the first season, you're like, okay, you know, she's a bit odd but all right by the middle of the second season you're like why won't you die <laughs> and it took until the fifth season for it to happen yeah. and then it's yeah yeah i can't even remember who killed jenny Schechter. 
according to the uh, new L word, nobody killed Jenny. She, she suicided in Beth's pool. Oh. Oh, my God. I forgot there was a new L word. I never watched Me it. Me, too. <laughs> and I was, like, so all in on the L word. Oh, my God. I was obsessed with that show. And the, and the real L word. Because, I mean, I used to have to interview all of them every year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was my every uh-huh. year. But it yeah, would come out of me like, let that. me start lining up those interviews. And you can only ask the people the same question so many times. It's <laughs> 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 grim. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think the chick, the surfer chick with the dreadlocks from the real L- O Whitney. world, I saw her. Yeah. Huh? Whitney. Yeah, I saw. I I was talking to her one time at the Dyke March one year at Dolores Park, uh-huh. and, and it was funny because all these people kept running up asking her for autographs and stuff, and I'm just like, "Hey, I like your shirt," and we're talking about the band, and I'm like, "All right, well, hey, have a good one. See you later." And I don't know. It was just it was just funny. She because she kept giving me this look like, "Aren't you gonna ask? You know why people are asking for her autograph for pictures with her?" Or... Like, you want to talk about the scissoring? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, Randy just gave me the weirdest look. <laughs> <laughs> Does Randy want to talk about this? No. Oh God. <laughs> no, he <doesn't. laughs> oh my God. Cool, cool, cool. So yeah, are you liking the Star Trek Discovery? Yeah, I'm. I'm enjoying it. Good, good. I'm glad. Yeah, I'm glad. The third season introduces a cat. If that helps you at all, there's a main coon. Well, dude, I heard that Tig was hopelessly wasted in in season three, but. Damn, she was funny in season two. Yeah, I really I really enjoy it. Is it perfect? No. But honestly, which Star Trek is perfect? The one you think is the perfect one is the one you kind of grew up watching. But really, none of yeah. them are perfect. <laughs> well, considering the wife since basically I went on, on leave for my surgery has been marathoning through Star Trek shows, I can tell you this is the best one so far. I keep I kept waiting for you guys to comment on Threshold and I got nothing. Nothing! threshold the one where it's in voyager it's the space lizards one oh where yeah, paris yeah, yeah. steals captain janeway and they turn into space lizards and have space lizard babies yes <laughs> i was like come on and then you guys blasted past it i was like how do you not talk about the fucking space lizards i don't understand <laughs> it's just like really that's where we're going now space lizards okay Voyager was so weird, but I loved it. It's so fucking weird. All right. Cool. What else have you been watching? WandaVision. Right, that I am totally caught up with, but it has huge I haven't, spoilers. I haven't seen the last episode because okay. the wife's out of town okay. and I might get hurt if I watch it without her. Yeah, don't do it. And stay <laughs> off the internet because the internet is spoiling things that are best unspoiled. Yeah, it's good. I, I'm really enjoying it so far. Yeah, I was a little worried in the first episode because I was worried it was all going to be like that. Yeah. Where it's just Wanda and Vision and the 1950s Bewitch style show, which is conceptually kind of a cool idea, but I don't know that I want to watch a whole season of that. Well, I was kind of familiar with the comic okay. material. I was based not. Off okay. of, so that, I kind of yeah. had an idea of what's happening, uh-huh. why it's happening, uh-huh. but uh, yeah, I mean, goddamn, is it great to see Cat Denny again? I know. I, I mean, yeah, it's full of people I really love. And Catherine Hahn is so great. Yeah. And I love Randall Park is so great. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's definitely a fun, interesting watch. Although I suspect it's also going to be very heartbreaking at some point. It's definitely leading by this current. I'm not going to say anything super spoilery, but there is a turn in terms of Wanda's character that is she feels a little sinister. 
<laughs> well, I, I don't know if you saw the uh, meme that I posted mm. in the What You've Been Watching chat on Discord. Maybe. The one with Tony Collette. Yes. Oh, my. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yes. Yes. That is that. Is, <laughs> her energy is a little that towards the And then something yeah. happens that is, I don't know what the hell it means. I really need for somebody else to watch this so we can talk about what the hell the thing at the end of the episode means. But, yeah. Okay. So does the show take place? before infinity wars but you'll see oh yeah. okay <laughs> that was all that's part that was of that's part. i was expecting no that, well that's part of the, the question okay you know what gotcha, i mean gotcha. so i like, can't tell yeah. you i mean okay. i could tell you but i i don't want to tell you okay um, but yeah it's, it's interesting i think ariel you should definitely definitely watch it okay um because because out. you've watched all the things matilda you don't need to watch it if you're curious definitely watch it but it's not something where there are times where i'm like i know this isn't your genre but you must watch it anyway that's this is probably not that (laughs) this isn't black panther no it's not black panther it's not thor love and thunder Mm -hmm. you know but but yeah okay cool well that sounds good i have been watching a couple of things first of all i watched pg psycho gorman did anybody else watch this i tried to get everybody to watch it yeah so i could not sleep last night so i watched it oh okay what did you think what did you think i loved it oh i'm so glad (laughs) i'm so glad sarah did you say you did watch it or no not yet oh my god this is finally a bad movie that i want yeah to watch. it's for you <laughs> it's like if power rangers was really fucking bloody oh my god i was just Ooh. gonna say that rachel that was exactly what popped into my head when i watched it yes yeah. yes i mean especially the design of the angel <laughs> yes and that fight at the end is so and the alien round table yes. discussion yes yeah. yes yeah very power rangers but with hilarious amazing gore yeah i really it. loved psycho gorman i really liked it too i love his got... love of hunky boys <laughs> 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 not my hunky boys <laughs> so funny yeah there's a lot of good comedy in this there's a scene where the dad and mom get into a fight and then the next scene you see him sitting on the toilet going to the bathroom while yelling about all the things he should have said to his <laughs> wife and seriously sarah this is the venn diagram of movies for us yeah. this is where we cross over there's a okay. there's an alien that is just a bunch of cut up body parts in a tank with legs like <laughs> yeah there's one of awesome. the kids gets turned into krang essentially oh my god it's so funny <laughs> it is really yes it is krang that's hilarious <laughs> Yeah, I I just thought this movie was super dumb fun, but like heavy on the dumb, but also heavy on the fun. And the special effects are really entertaining, too. They have a cheesy 80s quality to them, but Mm -hmm. they are done well. I I don't know if that makes sense, but that makes sense. So, yeah. Did any of you guys see the movie The Void, that sort of Lovecraft movie? Yes. Okay. Same director. Oh, which is interesting interesting and the practical a- um effects yeah. aspect of it makes sense totally totally different yeah but he definitely enjoys a gooey ooey gooey pl- practical effect which i also love so it- it's super fun so the premise of this movie is basically there's these kids and they're digging their backyard and they find this amulet that that just so happens to be something that allows them to control this world destroying alien 
and they think, yeah, this let's make him our pet, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> and so like, the whole time, though, he's super mad, and he want, he's being controlled against his will, and so he's trying to find ways to not be controlled and is very angry about it all the time, but has <laughs> can't really do anything about it. The little girl is controlling it, so there's like shopping montages and there's a song they that they perform she makes oh them join God. their band yeah. <laughs> it is really really funny and the, the little action set pieces are super entertaining there's a point where there's a cop who basically has no skin he's like a zombie and he's just randomly shooting his gun every <laughs> yes <laughs> it's just so funny uh, psycho gorman eats people his whole oh jaw my god expands, yes it's amazing it is amazing but the thing is, is at some point there's a part where they're walking around in a forest and he's dressed you've seen what he looks like but he's dressed like sam neill from jurassic park yeah. <laughs> it's just ridiculous and the end is so absurd ridiculous. yeah okay its version of a happy ending is yeah really something to behold yeah yeah it was exactly what i needed last night if you need something that's gonna lighten your spirits and just be fun pick this movie it's great it's mighty morphin power rangers with lots more decapitations yes okay yeah okay i loved his masterpiece do you know what i'm talking about uh, ariel (laughs) that was my masterpiece (laughs) it's really funny okay so speaking of human killing aliens that are very funny and enjoyable i also watched the first two episodes uh or is it three i don't know i watched i'm one behind on resident alien has anybody else watched this no, until you brought it up on that Discord, I'd never even heard of it. That is a shame. I'm super curious. I, that is a shame yeah. because this, okay, so it's the new sci-fi series and it stars Alan Tiddick. So, of course, I was like, I must watch this. Mm-hmm. And essentially, he is an alien who gets stranded on Earth and has to blend in as this very small town doctor. But he's not a nice alien that's just kind of fish out of water. Oh, geez. He, he actually is like a mean alien. <laughs> but... Also, he's a fucking weirdo. And Alan Tiddick is just perfect for this role. So Mm -hmm. I love him. Okay, one of the running plot points, because he's also solving murders, essentially, because he learned to speak from watching episode after episode of Law and Order. Oh, my God. (laughs) I love that. All of his pop culture references are from Law and Order. (laughs) (laughs) And when he saw something, he's like, (laughs) da-dong. But one of the running plot points is there's one kid who has a very rare genetic mutation that allows him to see that he's actually an alien. And so every episode, he's trying to find ways to murder this child. (laughs) And he gets drunk for the first time. And he's like, whiskey is helping me to make logical decisions. I'm going to go kill this child. It's hilarious. It's really funny. And he's been such a supporting character for so long. It's kind of great to see him in a lead role. And this one is perfect for him he's so funny in it i so i definitely definitely recommend resident alien i think you can watch it for free on the sci-fi site if you don't have it uh, or if you don't already have access to it watch the pilot if you like the pilot you're gonna like the show and you're gonna like the pilot <laughs> mm-hmm. especially if, i mean i know matilda you love alan Tiddick. i do well get mm-hmm. ready he's the star of the show oh, oh. that's awesome so rare yeah, yeah. So yeah, so that is what we've been watching. I feel like we've got some good recommendations up here and some good cautionary <laughs> information uh-huh. up in here. So, you know, choose accordingly. <laughs> 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 All right. So 
what do you say we take a quick break and then we'll check out this commercial from our buddies over at here's johnny and then we will get into our women in horror review sound good yeah let's do it sounds, sounds great tales of giant monsters are as old as tales themselves but what makes those stories fit into the kaiju genre and just how scary can they be larry and justin are pursuing this very knowledge on the here's johnny podcast a horror show that arrives every week just like your favorite radio drama, but instantly through forbidden sciences known as Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. There are a ton of kaiju out there to learn about. Just listen to your local emergency officials and stay out of their paths. Wait, say that again? Uh, Sorry, folks, I'm getting a message from our staff. Uh, Folks, we're getting reports that a massive creature has just risen off the coast of this station and is heading this way. Please follow evacuation protocol and... Listen to the Here's Johnny podcast on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. All right, so let's start at the very beginning with the pit and the pendulum. Now, each of you guys got signed one of these, and I can't remember who had what. So who who was covering pit and the pendulum? Oh, okay. Tell me about pit and the pendulum, my friend. So I had pit and the pendulum, and this is directed by a woman named Alice Guy Blanchet, who's known as the world's first female filmmaker. So cool. So her story of coming to direct this is really interesting. Coming to direct movies is really interesting. She is a woman who worked as a secretary in France to an inventor who made movie cameras. Mm. Oh, that's interesting. And in order to sell the movie cameras to customers, they would make little reels to show what the cameras could do. And she was like, boss these could be better can i make a crack at this <laughs> and so she did and they have a very if you look at the new york times article about her there's a very sweet picture of her in a little short drama about a wife and a husband and she's playing the husband oh cute in a little sailor suit oh my god amazing <laughs> yeah and then she started to really love it she started to really love making movies and she made tons of short films and then started to make longer films but she referred to filmmaking as her Prince Charming. It's like, mm. that was the thing she loved in her life. That was the thing she felt uplifted by. And she has a really fascinating life story and died in her 90s in New Jersey. girl. Because New Jersey was a lot of where films were being made before Hollywood, I guess, which I did not know. No, I didn't know yeah. that either. Yeah. That's actually why the reason why Hollywood started is because Edison claimed that he invented the camera and that he invented the film. And so everybody who filmed movies had to pay a percentage to Edison. And all these people were like, wait a minute, we're buying our shit from France. We're buying our shit from Canada. Why the fuck are we paying Edison rights to be able to show movies? So they went out west, basically, because if you didn't pay Edison, he sent the Pinkertons after you. Wow. Edison sounds like a real D-bag. No kidding. (laughs) So that's why all that's why they started to move out west was to get away from Edison. Crazy. I had no idea. Yeah, that's so interesting. 
Yeah, and she kind of, in her later life, fell out of the business and had some troubles with a failed marriage and other things. But it seems like there are now film historians who are going back and kind of writing about her. There was a biography that came out, I believe, in the late 70s about her that you can find. And there's a lovely quote about her that in 1911, the moving picture news wrote that she was, quote, a fine example of what a woman can do if given a square chance in life. Oh, that's great. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Too bad the powers that be have still not heard that quote. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, you know, thinking about looking back on this and thinking about how this is, you know, this is before women have the right to vote in the U.S. Yeah. And she's making this happen. Right. Yeah, that's true. Right. Amazing. And she had her own studio. When you see the little title cards from the studio, Solaris? I can't remember which what the studio's name was, but it has the little sun rising over a new world mm -hmm. was her vision of it. They've gone back and looked at that and I think gotten her a new headstone with that on the headstone. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, that's cool. That's in New Jersey. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. So definitely if you're interested in early film stuff, definitely look at her and find her biography, which sounds like it's fascinating. Oh, cool. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So this movie, obviously, Pit and the Pendulum sounds familiar, I'm sure, to everyone, uh, if you're a horror fan. But Guy Blosh? 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 I know. Blosh? Okay. <laughs> Alice, we'll just call her. I mean, we're on first week basis, right? Yeah. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> Alice adapted the screenplay from the short story by Poe, obviously. In this film, the story is kind of dreamlike, and she decided to add some sort of real-world context to it. So, she set it in the Spanish Inquisition. In this film, Alonzo is framed and falsely accused of theft by way of sorcery by an evil monk in the Spanish Inquisition named Pedro, who wants revenge on him and the woman that he wanted, Isabel, when he got caught trying to put the moves on her and Alonzo came in and saved her and snatched her away. So he decides to join a monastery, which will give him opportunities to get revenge. So it was originally three reels long, and we only, the one that still exists, sadly, is only that very first reel. And you can watch it on YouTube, about six minutes long. It's definitely worth checking out. And in this reel, we see kind of that all goes down, how that all goes down, where he tries to make put the moves on her, gets rejected, and ends up hatching his plan for revenge and goes off. And we see him steal the jewels and plant the jewels, and then the jewels get found and we see him and Isabel carted off, presumably for punishment. You can go back and look, and there are photos on the internet of some of the creepy things that happen in this. And I will state visually, there is a lot of really cool images of hooded figures, and the pit itself is really creepy. And I would recommend also yeah. definitely looking at those to kind of get a vibe of where this was going and why it's considered to be the first horror movie. Because even though Pit and the Pendulum is maybe not, I mean, I guess it's kind of a horror story. It definitely, especially I think in these earlier films, was revolutionary in that it really leaned into some dark visuals. And I think there was some controversy about how dark the content was at the time. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. So what did you guys think of this? I mean, I know there's not a lot to go on here, but like I said, I feel like this kind of acts as a good sort of starting point. But was there anything that stood out in particular to you guys about this? Yeah, I really wish we had gotten more of the film. It's such a short clip and the film quality is so degraded. I really mm. wish that they could find the other ones and do a restoration of it because you can kind of tell how it's dreamy and beautiful, but through all the sort of fuzz, it's a bit hard to 
to really get a sense of the film i think unfortunately Mm -hmm. i was surprised by this one because i i read the story so i know that it ties into the spanish inquisition obviously but my experience with pit and pendulum mainly is the vincent price movie which excises that entirely i mean it's a totally different story it just has the pit and the pendulum and the entombing stuff in it so yeah i was i was going into it expecting it to be a little more like that and then i was like oh this is you know following a little more in line with the actual story which is interesting Mm -hmm. and made me really wish we had gotten to see the whole thing because especially if she wanted it to be pretty gruesome i would have loved to have seen more of the stuff of when he starts getting tortured well i i just put a link in our discord so you can see some of the photos and stuff Um, oh okay there was some problems where I guess they were trying to figure out how to make a rat chew through a, a rope or something like that. And then the rats <laughs> took over and then they hadn't, oh, couldn't no. get rid of the rats. So they tried to get a cat to get rid of the rats and that didn't work. So they tried getting a dog to get rid of the rats and that didn't work. <laughs> it was just uh, a grim all around. <laughs> but yeah, you can see kind of some of the creepy, Ooh, yeah. Oh, yeah. stuff. That um, looks really cool where he's all tied up with the pendulum. Oh, I wish we had gotten to see uh-huh. that. That looks great. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, all those little monks running in. Yeah. In this was so great. All the little hooded figures. Uh-huh. But the, definitely, this felt like the preamble. Yes. To the main story. Like what we got to see was the preamble. Yeah. 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 All right. What about you, Sarah? Any thoughts on this one? It's kind of lost as to what was going on because it's been probably two decades since I read that story. Sure. Mm-hmm. So I was like, wait, I don't remember any of this. <laughs> You're like, I don't remember this picnic gone wrong. <laughs> what is happening yeah i mean it definitely has the very black and white style theatrical over the top acting style mm-hmm. it's kind of what you would imagine from from this but mm-hmm. i mean listen some, someone had to blaze this trail and and so if it's emblematic of that time it's because that trail is actively being blazed so so yeah yeah I I, uh-huh. I I found it to be, I mean, I'm not going to say it's a great movie because it's not really much of a movie, but I found it to be an interesting piece of history for, you know, women in horror. Yeah, definitely. Yes. I mean, the fact that a woman made any kind of movie in 1913 is pretty remarkable. Right? Mm-hmm. Right? And was the head of her own yeah, picture company, great. right? That is so cool. Solax is the name of the picture company. Okay. All right, cool. All right, let's move on to the second movie, which fortunately it's it's ten minutes long, but we get the entire thing. Imagine yes, that. Yes. So that is mm-hmm. suspense from night. It's the same year, same year, nineteen thirteen. Who has this one? I All do. right, lay it on me, lady. Okay, well, suspense from nineteen thirteen. It was written, directed, and produced by director Lois Weber and, and her husband, and starring Lois Weber mm-hmm. and her husband Philip Smalley helped direct it. Some people say this was Lon Chaney's first on-screen appearance that he's the hobo that accidentally gets hit Mm -hmm. with the car but that can't be confirmed yeah i saw that that and i didn't think it looked like him at all but yeah and and apparently about the time that this was filmed it's confirmed that cheney was actually living in san francisco and working in the theater there oh okay so So it's unlikely yeah yeah it's very unlikely yeah Mm. but this stars lois weber as the wife Valentine Paul as the husband, Douglas Gerard as the pursuer, and Sam Kaufman as the tramp. And basically, movie starts with the uh, nanny deciding that she's going to quit her job. She leaves a note, doesn't tell the missus, and leaves the key to the house 
under the back porch mat. She takes off as she's leaving. The tramp notices that there's this woman walking down from a hill in the middle of nowhere and is like, huh, what's up there? He heads up there and basically um, it turns into a home invasion film. Meanwhile, the wife has discovered the note from the nanny. She decides not to call her husband who had just called her a few minutes ago, let her know he was going to work late. And then once she sees that there's, you know, this guy trying to break into the house, she calls the husband. Husband steals a car and takes off to go rescue her. There's a bit of a comedy mix-up with the driver of the car. Apparently he knows the husband, or maybe it's the husband's car, he's the husband's driver. But he gets the police thinking the car's been stolen, so the husband's being chased by the cops. And husband arrives just in time, and the police take the tramp away. Yeah, so... Lois Weber is actually, and this this particular film is the is she's credited with pioneering the use of split screen. This is the first time it was ever yeah. done. Is in this movie. Oh uh, wow! Yeah, yeah. That she's is so credited cool. with, with split screen. I know some things you'll see have said that she's also pioneered the triangular shot, and this is usually the one that you see from the still of the film. Yes, the the tramp looking in and the wife and husband on the phone. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, but apparently that framing was was used in a dutch movie a couple years before Mm, okay yeah but yeah she's she's credited for split screen and for car chases the first car chase and also just a few quick notes that i did write down some other firsts from lois weber she is credited with the first full frontal female nudity shot from her movie hypocrite in 1916 go on on, lois uh, that's awesome Mm mm-hmm also from 1916, from her movie, Where Are My Children? First movie to talk about abortion and birth control. Wow. Wow. She's the first person to put Tarzan movies onto film. Hmm. She was the first mayor of Universal City. What? Wow. That's so cool. Yeah. yeah. She sounds amazing. And she's considered the first American woman to direct a full-length feature film when she directed 1914's Merchant of Venice. Wow. Yep. Accomplished lady. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's very impressive. In her younger years, apparently she was a musical prodigy, and during a concert, she ended up breaking a key on on the piano she was playing, and she took it as a sign that God didn't want her playing music anymore, Mm. and so she got involved in the theater, and that's how she met her husband, Philip Smalley, and then they ended up actually working for Alice Guy Blanche Mm -hmm. for a while, and her husband, and that's how they got interested in pictures. That makes perfect sense. Oh, yeah. That's neat that there's that connection. That's so cool. I think that Alice Guy Blanche turned down that Tarzan movie. I think she was kind of like, I, I don't want to do this anymore by then. And so it went to the next person. Yeah. Which is so cool. Mm-hmm. Super, super cool. Awesome. Yeah, but in her heyday, Weber was the first woman involved in the American Motion Pictures Director Society. And she was considered as good of a director as Charlie Chaplin and D.W. Griffith. Wow. It's crazy mm-hmm. you don't hear about her more, huh? Yeah. Yeah. She was considered their equal. And also commercially successful, right? Yeah, she was commercially successful and she worked for all the major studios, Universal and United Artists and everything. And the Universal president, Carl Lamel, he actually said that he was known for being so frugal, but uh, he actually said he'd trust her with any sum of money she needed to make a picture because he knows he that she'd make it all back. Wow. And another... Thing I, I didn't know was her and Philip Smalley actually did the editing for the Phantom 
of the opera, the 1925 Phantom of the Opera. Oh, oh. I guess they did a couple of test screenings, oh. and then they were asked to to edit it to make it more viewer friendly. It's amazing that she was so successful both in the art but also commercially, and yet she's been completely lost to history. Yeah, so yeah. disappointing. Mm-hmm. She died in 1939 from a bleeding stomach oh. ulcer. Oh. It's stressful being the only one. Like, yeah. yeah. But I think it was in the 1960s. I think it was the 60s. It's a rough way to go. 60s or 70s. She was, she was given her own star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Oh, oh awesome. Wow. That's, that's really cool. Good for her. Yeah. I mean, but you're right. We should know way more about her. We know yeah. about Charlie Chaplin for sure. Yeah. But Ugh. I know. I know. I wonder if she was part of the people that would hang out at Hearst Castle. I bet she was. Probably. You know? When it, the, and I uh-huh. hope so. If I could time travel, w- that's one of the places I would totally want to go. Well, I mean, you you can go swimming in the pool, but it's like five thousand dollars because you have to rent out the pool. Yeah. Fun fact: the last member of the Hearst family to actually live in the castle uh-huh. was Patty. Patty Hearst. I was going to say it was a Pat, the yeah. one Hearst, other Hearst I know. <laughs> that's where she went to recover from her ordeal. Really? Was wow. the was the Whoa. ranch? Yeah. Apparently she still keeps a room there and will and will show up occasionally. Oh, that's so cool. It's such a cool place. Awesome. Okay, cool. So what did you guys think of Suspense? So I thought it was really great. Mm-hmm. I know that not everybody is a fan of silent movies, but this one is so digestible. It's so short and mm-hmm. there's action happening the whole time. Yes. I think it does mm-hmm. a really good job of slowly ramping up that tension, even in just the 10 minutes. I really love the split screen effect, that triangle one, especially when her and the husband are talking on the phone and the other split screen piece is the telephone wire getting cut. Yeah. I thought that was especially mm-hmm. creepy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I really, I enjoyed it a lot more than I expected to. Like, I've seen a fair amount of silent films, and some of them I really love, and some of them just aren't for me, but I really mm-hmm. like this one. Well, that, and I'm thinking of those big ass freaking cameras. Right. And how she got <laughs> that scene, the two shots where the husband's driving and he keeps looking yes. back at the side mirror, and you see yes. the cops in the side mirror. Yes. And yeah. you see, like, just the profile of his face. And then the action going on in the mirror. Yeah, that car mm-hmm. chase was great. With the it was so good. Grab the other car as he's driving away. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean the the sort of shot composition in this you can really see has been elevated. We didn't get to see all of Pit and Pendulum, so that may not be true. And that definitely has a very cool aesthetic to it. Very classic. What you think of when you think of silent movies. But part of that mm-hmm. is that idea of it almost looking like a stage play. There's no real depth of field. Whereas this one, I was really surprised by how much depth of field we got with things like the car chase, like you said, where he's in the foreground and the camera and the mirror is in the, you know, whatever. So that, and also the, the part where the tramp comes up the stairs towards the camera and gets larger in the camera, you really see Weber playing with that 3d space. And you got to think about that's not revolutionary now, but this is when they were figuring that shit out. Right. You can see very few people have modeled this. And so she's exploring and playing with this and creating this film language. And it's cool to watch this happening. I saw a YouTube documentary that if you watch suspense on YouTube immediately following was this little seven minute. Who is Lois? Oh, I missed that. Dang. And it was saying, and I, and after going back and looking, it's like, yeah, it's true. The person who did the the great train robbery, uh-huh. they figured out how to use perspective to tell a story yeah. on film. And Lois Weber figured out how to use space to tell the story. Oh, mm. see, okay. That's yeah. interesting. 
And I, I try to think about what it must have been like to be an audience member watching this for the first time. We've seen so many things that it takes a lot to scare mm. us as an audience. But I bet it was probably terrifying at the time to see him coming up the stairs with that leering look on his face and then punching through the door. I, it was probably yeah. really creepy. Okay. Yeah. I want to know what that furniture was made out of that he could push it with one hand, punch through the door like that and push it with one hand because my wife grew up in a farmhouse built in like 1900s and we've got furniture from the 20s and 30s. Uh -huh. yeah. That shit is fucking heavy. And those doors, there's no punching through them unless you've got a shotgun. Yeah. No, those are half an oak tree wide, usually. Like everything right? in those houses is oh. giant, giant lumber. What was in yeah. those sandwiches, yeah. dude? <laughs> <laughs> I did love the sandwiches. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. went on a real journey with the tramp. At first I was like, dang, man, he's just hungry. He's Leave hungry. him alone. Yeah. But then he starts skulking too. up the stairs and I'm like, no. <laughs> Yeah, well, at first I thought, okay, is this some sort of ghost story? Right. Because the nanny kind of looks through the peephole and sees the mother with the baby and then writes, you know, you're no, you're never going to have staff here. It's too isolated and it's too, let's just say, lonesome. Yeah. It's too lonesome in this house. And I was like, huh. So I'm thinking, okay, maybe there's some weird ghost thing going on. Oh, That's okay. the suspense. Mm. And then mm. the tramp shows up and I'm like, oh, well, that was different. Right. Right. <laughs> Because, you know, we've always been afraid of intruders coming in the house and that it's just as potent then as it is now to yeah. like the, the scary outsider coming in and breaking in. Yeah. What about you, Matilda? What did you think of this? I really loved this. I found it, as Ariel said, really digestible. I'm somebody who does not tend to watch silent same, films. Same. Partially because they tend to be a little bit flat and like stage plays. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And this was something totally different. It kept my interest the entire time. My partner and I had such a good time just watching it on the couch and narrating it to each other. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. <laughs> I wish you recorded that. Like, oh, get the sandwiches, get the sandwiches. Right? Like, <laughs> well, what's he going to do to her? I think he's going to murder her. Like, you know. <laughs> I think he just wants to murder her. So that. It was so fun, and you can see the way that this early film kind of informs how we think about tension building and action films, and you can see all of modern things in yeah, this. Yeah, the DNA is there. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. I also noticed that the performances seemed a lot more naturalistic than they did in the little bit of Pit in the Pendulum that we saw. Yeah. Like it was mm -hmm. it was more leaning towards a more modern style of acting as opposed to the very stagey. When you think of Valentino, it's all back of hand on the forehead kind of acting, you know, whereas this felt a, and there's a little bit of that, but a little bit less. Yeah, there's a little of it when she. Uh, yeah, yo, yo, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> true, 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 true. But. I also could identify with that. <laughs> that would be my reaction. <laughs> so overall, what do we think of suspense? Do we like it? Yeah, I loved it. And I think it's a great piece of history that you should watch because you can, like you said, see the DNA and sort yeah. of the building blocks for tension and car chases, split screen, all that stuff is really, really cool. And the director seems like a fascinating woman who did an amazing job with this. Yeah. The least believable part for me, though, was that the tramp just like stood up and was like, I'm fine. Right. <laughs> I was like, that's not how car accidents work. <laughs> I know. Right? <laughs> just brush him off. It's okay. Yeah. Rushing to his house, the husband hits a guy standing in the middle of the road 
and just runs over, picks him up, dusts him off, and then the guy keeps walking. Yeah, yeah. I'm calling shenanigans Yeah, that. that was like yeah. a serious Benny Hill kind of scene. Yeah. <laughs> it really was. <laughs> the like, boing, oops, get him up, get him to the side, here comes the other car, right? <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> All right, for those of you at home that want to watch it, it is on YouTube. All Actually, all three of the movies that we're going to be talking about today are available on YouTube. So, free. So, definitely check them out. Especially the suspense one. Nice 10 minutes. See what I... A good run time, 10 minutes. Yeah. yeah, like, yeah. I wish all movies were that mm-hmm. long. <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, if you turn up the speed on the... Oh, my God. You were fast <laughs> enough. <laughs> they can be. <laughs> All right. Let's get into our feature film. This is the one that's the only one that's a full feature film runtime, which is The Hitchhiker from 1953. Now, Ariel, you have this one, right? Yeah, I do. Tell me about this movie and Ida. Yeah. So this was directed by Ida Lupino. So she has a pretty cool story, too. She's a pretty remarkable woman, just like the other two directors. She first got into acting actually as a kid. Her father was a song and dance man, and he really wanted her to go into acting. And she was a little bit of a prodigy. She actually wrote her first play when she was seven years old. And as a kid, she toured with a big theater company that traveled around. So she actually started her career in British film, doing a lot of acting in movies. And then she moved to Hollywood and she started making it pretty big in Hollywood. But she had a problem where she was sort of constantly battling with the studio system. So for those of you who don't know, the studios used to have a ton of control over the actors' lives, far more than they do today, where you would sign on to these contracts And they could essentially control just about every aspect of your life while you were there. And they were really hard to Uh break out of. Mm -hmm. So she was a very independent thinker. And so she would do things like make her own script revisions. And she would turn down roles that they wanted her to take. And so she was uh, getting suspended all the time. She was in this contract and she couldn't leave. But they would just suspend her and she'd have to sit at home. She was known as a difficult woman. Yes, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So as an actress, she has a very long career. She starred in just a ton of movies starting in the early 1930s. And she was in some pretty big ones like The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes, While the City Sleeps, Roadhouse, On Dangerous Ground, and a bunch of others. Um, So she was in a bunch of film noir before she did The Hitchhiker. She even starred alongside Humphrey Bogart in They Drive by Night and High Sierra. Both movies I recommend. They're great. And in Drive by Night, she is amazing. Like, she steals the show. So she never really liked being an actress, though. She did that mostly to please her dad, and she felt sort of pushed into it. But it wasn't something that she really enjoyed. And that's when she started directing. So because she was always fighting with the studios, she had a problem of incurring sort of the ire of the studio head, this guy named Jack Warner. She would always do these things like turning down roles because she thought they were beneath her dignity as an actress. Ooh, yeah, girl. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, fun fact that makes me like her even more. She turned down an offer to star in a film opposite Ronald Reagan, even though it meant she was immediately put on suspension again. Nice. Yeah. Interesting. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> So then she started directing her own movies. And the cool thing about her is that a lot of her movies deal with unconventional, controversial subjects and focus a lot on 
things that women deal with. She did one that was about an out-of-wedlock pregnancy, another one about bigamy, and she did one that dealt with rape, which was very unusual at the time. Yeah, Never Fear was her first credited role as a director. It was about a dancer whose life was changed when she con- when she contracts polio. And actually, Ida Lupino suffered from polio when she was younger. She also directed this movie called Outrage, which was one of the first films made during the height of the Hayes Code that dealt with rape. Interesting. Yeah, and with The Bigamist, her one of her other big movies, she became the first woman to direct herself in a major picture. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, cool. These women are all so amazing. That's my favorite mm-hmm. thing about whenever we dig into these things and something we do on More Deadly a lot is finding out about the women behind them and sign up like almost to a person you can kind of see there are similar traits between all of them, sort of a fearlessness and yeah. a, an insistence on making space for themselves that mm-hmm. that is just so laudable and it makes sense why they're like, yes, I need to be in control behind the camera. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So she also went on to direct over 100 episodes of television, like well into the 70s. She directed a bunch of episodes of some of my favorite shows from that era, Thriller. She did nine episodes of that show. Wow. She directed Columbo, The Untouchables, The Fugitive, Bewitched. I mean, just a ton of shows that everybody's probably familiar with because they're super famous. She also was the first woman to direct and star in episodes of The Twilight Zone. So she starred in this really amazing episode of The Twilight Zone called The 16 Millimeter Star, which is, if you've ever seen Sunset Boulevard, it's kind of similar to that, but with a Twilight zone ending. And then yeah. she directed this super iconic episode called The Mask. It's one of my favorites because it's about this family that has to go to their dying grandfather or something's mansion, and they all want to inherit his money. But he says, you'll only inherit if you wear these masks until the end of the night. And they're all kind of a caricature of the worst parts of their personality, like greed or whatever. And then it has a Twilight Zone ending about what happens. Is it to their the faces is this the, the one end. that has like the pig face? No, that's a different okay. one. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> so yeah, it's a it's a really good one, and you can see her deft hand as a director in it. So The Hitchhiker is the first film noir to be directed by a woman. We picked it because it's often on horror lists of the best horror films directed by women, but it definitely falls more into that film noir thriller kind of category, more horror adjacent. So Lupino directed it, but she also wrote the screenplay with her then husband and her independent production company produced it too. So when she started directing, she was able to break away from that shitty studio system and she was actually able to hire a writer to do a treatment of their script. His name was Daniel Mainwaring, and he had been blacklisted. So if she had been within the studio, she wouldn't have been able to hire him because obviously he was on the blacklist. He's not actually credited on screen, though, because he couldn't have been. Breaking away from the studio system allowed her to tackle issues that were like too violent or brutal for them to touch. So The Hitchhiker, the movie, is actually based on the real-life events of this guy named Billy Cook, who killed a bunch of people. So, yeah, I actually have seen this movie many times before, and I did not realize this. So, he was a drifter who went on a 22-day rampage. He killed six people, all while pretending to be a hitchhiker. So, he murdered a family of five and a traveling salesman. Then he kidnapped a sheriff. Then he ordered his captive to drive into the desert, just like in the movie, where he tied up the deputy with blanket strips and stole his police cruiser. 
So then he had to, I guess, get another car and he took two men hostage who were on a hunting trip, much like the beginning of this movie. So the film came out in 1953, three years after the murders were committed and only three months after he was executed. And because of that, she got some pushback about having a lot of the violence in there because it was fresh on everybody's mind and the Hayes Code really prohibited a lot of that. So Lupino actually went to the prison and interviewed Cook in order to sort of get his life story. Mm. And she was able to get releases both from him and some of the people that he took hostage in order to sort of use their stuff in her film. Very cool. But she had to actually reduce the number of murders committed because if Mm -hmm. she had done the full six murders that he actually committed, I guess it wouldn't have passed and she wouldn't have been able to release it. So she had to reduce that number to three. She, as a woman director, obviously faced a lot of discrimination and kind of pushback, even from the actors that she worked with. There was this article that quoted Frank Lovejoy, who played one of the hunting buddy guys. And he said, quote, she's the prettiest director I've ever worked for. And I'd like to say that it was a pleasure to be able to call my director honey and doll. Ew. Yeah. Yeah. Ew. <laughs> which one yeah. was he? Which which of the two guys? I don't remember. Okay. I feel like it was the not driver, the other one. <laughs> he had that energy. <laughs> and the article that quoted this called her a gal director (laughs) very infantilizing (laughs) Um, what a gal she has this amazing career and people now respect her as a director the film the hitchhiker was selected in 1998 to be added to the national film registry and just last year her film outrage was also added to the registry right get it Ida. cool yeah awesome all right well you've seen this before was this first watch for everybody else yeah this is actually Mm -hmm. a second watch for me oh really well i had to watch it from the noir vember once (laughs) but Uh, i didn't remember uh it at all so it might as well have been a first watch what did you think of this movie sarah he could have cut about 20 minutes out of it oh really okay yeah i mean to me it moved the pacing was was a little bit slow there was some things that I thought were really good and really tense, like the scene where he's got him out of the car and he's shooting mm-hmm, the camera. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some of the scenes where the guy has to communicate in Spanish and, and he doesn't speak Spanish, so he doesn't want him communicating in, Mexican? in Spanish. Mexican? Yeah. <laughs> Nothing says I'm an ignorant white person like saying I don't speak Mexican. Yeah. That is the red yeah. flag of <laughs> dumbassness. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so... I think that there's a lot there. I would love to see a modern remake. Oh, yeah. Maybe even flip the script and have it be, you know, some girls driving somewhere for a, for a weekend. They, you know, they told their husbands, you know, or, or their partners that they're, oh, they're going to do a spa weekend in, in Taos or something. And then they decide, you know what, screw it. Let's go to, you know, let's go party in Mexico and end up picking up a, a, a another woman that they see who's stranded out in the middle of the road. And she turns out to be the psychotic killer and kidnaps them i'd love to see like mm-hmm. a whole script flip i think you're on totally it. right i want to see that movie and i want it to be directed by an up-and-coming woman director yeah mm-hmm. yeah that would be super rad awesome all right how about you mm-hmm. matilda what'd you think of this movie i really liked it the pacing was good and i thought the tension built really really well mm-hmm. and it didn't get too concerned with a lot of backstory between the two guys on the fishing trip which i feel like a modern movie would have yeah 
it was much more just about the straight dilemma. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. That they were in, which I appreciated. We didn't have to get all that, you know, Bro! character development with them, which I, yeah, I totally don't care. Um, <laughs> that one's yeah, good the, at shooting. The one guy, okay, the good one guy was just like, I haven't gone anywhere by myself since I got married. Yeah. Yeah. And that was the yeah. end of it. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And one Not of them was like, like you know, he has kids I don't. That was the other yeah. character development. I am not somebody who's watched much noir at all in my life. So it took me a while to get over the fact that the person playing the hitchhiker sounds like Dave Chappelle imitating yeah. a bad guy in That's an old fair. movie. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> that he was like, look here, copper. See, yeah. you know. Don't watch any James Cagney, let me tell you. I know. <laughs> I couldn't believe it when I saw the source material for that stereotype. I was like, yes. so it's just a repeat of what actually is. Okay, got it, got it. No riff, yeah. just literal copy. Okay, got it, got it, got it. Yeah, but I liked it. I thought it was effectively menacing uh-huh. and also kind of great and cheesy a little bit at the end my favorite part was at the very end where you see them walking along the dock and then just the little t- tip of the gun comes yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. where you're like oh somebody's there uh-huh. yeah no I thought it was really great and that it looks beautiful all the shots of the desert uh-huh. are really awesome and just the kind of psychological hostage taking stuff is really effective yeah. yeah 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 I agree with both Matilda and Sarah <laughs> I'm right there in the middle. I think there are some pacing issues with this movie where it, it could be, again, tightened up. Tighten that bad boy up. Tighten, tight, 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 tight. But there mm-hmm. are also some really great scenes in it. And I really, really liked the Emmett character. I thought he was wonderfully campy and and menacing at the same time. Yes. Like, the, like the bits mm-hmm. about him sleeping mm-hmm. with one eye open. And... I love that part. <laughs> All that was really great. I felt very compelled by him. Very bored by him characters which is fine it doesn't matter he's clearly the star of this there's a reason he's in the middle of every frame right yeah it it makes sense Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. obviously literally makes sense for him where he's sitting but compositionally it tells you everything about who actually matters in this movie and he take he definitely runs away with the movie in my opinion this movie is both very very masculine but also there is a lack of macho-ness that I appreciate. Yep. And I think that mm-hmm. is your female mm-hmm. influence right there. Like It absolutely is. She talked about that. Oh, okay. Film. There yeah, you go. Excluding a lot of that sort of macho masculinity in these characters, removing that. When in a lot of film noir, obviously that's pretty present. Right? Oh, I mean, yes. <laughs> and this movie doesn't follow some of the normal things that your average person might think of with film noir, like the femme fatale or the no. you know, gritty PI or whatever. So she took all of that stuff out, but she also removed a lot of that sort of heavy handed masculinity that you often see. So I think it makes it really different and unique in that way. It also makes it uh, a little more ageless. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It has a modernity, I guess is the word. Yeah. To the to the movie because there is none of that stereotypical nineteen fifties Don Draper man in this at mm-hmm. all. It's just two dudes that are trapped and in a situation that they're not actually yeah. nobody is gonna Rambo their way out of this. And the fact that they're they're really sticking together as friends is both their strength, but also Emmett points out like you guys could have got away if you didn't stick together like this. Right. Mm-hmm. And and so it, it made the movie feel a little less dated, a little more, even though the, you know, some of the film techniques or the acting style was a little bit old school. 
thematically it felt fresher than some of these other noirs that are fun but they're very much a time capsule yeah yeah and it makes it easier to project yourself into those characters what would i do if i was in this dilemma if it's not just a character full of dated sexism (laughs) jargon coming out of their mouth yeah 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 here's a gal gams whatever yeah (laughs) like Mm -hmm. toxic uh word salad so yeah, so that I also kind of loved it. The end is a little anticlimactic, but it is an ex- it is a good example of what I think promising young woman was trying to do, which is this is the reality. These guys were not going to shoot their way out of this. The cops descended on them, and that was the only reason yeah. they survived is because of what the leg police were doing. You know, yeah, like, and that's actually how his story ended. Mm-hmm. The real guy and Lupino mm-hmm. wanted to stick with the real the real ending, even though some people wanted her to do some kind of big showdown and shootout. No, he just gets clapped in irons and it's like, no! Yep. yep. <laughs> yeah. And they're just like, yeah, I guess let's go take a statement. You know, it, it does wrap up kind of, like I said, a little anticlimactically, but I also was okay with that. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. That being said, could be a little shorter. That'd be okay. <laughs> that's like your new critique for every movie it could be a little short i will say this movie is though at the same time it is kind of lean and mean it, it's it's like i said it could have just been maybe a few less scenes of them just driving and it would have tightened okay. it up yeah because i do think they don't spend a ton of time adding all these extraneous plot lines it, it's very tight in terms of the story yeah yeah mm-hmm. I, I did love their escaped uh, attempt where they're just like rolling sleeping bags <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, good. Right. Ariel, let's hear. Now you love this movie. Tell us. Tell us about this movie. Your your feelings on it. Yeah, I do really like this movie, but I have a soft spot for, for film noir. It's something that I really enjoy. I actually saw this movie a number of years ago at the Noir City Film Festival in San Francisco that they do at the Castro every year. Mm-hmm. And they got a restored 35 millimeter reel to show. Um, So it was really beautiful and really clean looking. But yeah, I just really enjoy this movie. It's different than a lot of other film noirs. William Tallman is, I think he's amazing in this movie. I think he's such a great character. And that scene where he is, they think, asleep on the tree and you just have his one eye open. Yeah. I saw this movie for the first time when I was a kid and I I always remembered that scene because it's so, I think it's just so creepy. Mm-hmm. There's so much cool tension that's built throughout. And I think that the sort of California and Mexico desert, it really is becomes mm-hmm. a character in this film. And I think that all of the kind of bickering back and forth about what they should, the two friends about what they should do and how they should escape is all really interesting too. There's that scene you guys were talking about in the store that's just so tension filled because not only are they dealing with him being there and they're trying to get all these cans to maybe use that in their escape somehow, but also there's this little girl there that they're worried about Mm -hmm. that wants the bad guy's attention. So yeah, I just, I really like this one a lot and I know that it's not perfect. They rarely are, but it's one that I think is, is really fun and I've always really enjoyed. There's a couple Mm -hmm. of little scandals around this movie. Uh huh. So you probably already know this, but there are two things happened. The first thing was basically Howard Hughes refused to let them give credit to Daniel Man- Meanwaring, yeah. who had written the original story for this because he was suspected of being a communist. Yep. So he was blacklisted. Yes. Yeah. The story is credited to a pseudonym of Jeffrey Holmes. 
The yeah. other one is that Lupino herself found out suddenly at the beginning of shooting that she was Pago, but not by her husband. Yep. It's Gandalo. <laughs> they were having problems in their marriage, and she ended up having an affair with an with the actor Howard Duff, who she co-starred with in uh, another film noir, Woman in Hiding, which I've never seen. Uh, have you seen yeah. that? Yeah, and then they had to get a quickie divorce and a quickie marriage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they ran off to <laughs> Nevada and got a quickie divorce, and then she got married yeah. to him, and and it was okay. Yeah, it all worked out all right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I also love that the tagline for this is, there's death in his upraised thumb. <laughs> <laughs> that is a great tagline. <laughs> oh, also, anybody who is going to watch it now, William Tallman, the guy who plays the bad guy, also for every season of Perry Mason played the district attorney. I was waiting to see if you were going to, I didn't say it. Cause I was like, are we going to get through the review without a, a review <laughs> Perry Mason? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. This is, I, I'm glad we watched this. It was good to revisit it. I'm a little creeped out by that quote about, I, I'm not surprised, but I'm also disappointed <laughs> by that quote. But other than that. Yeah. You were right about who it was. By was way. I? I, no, I can yep. just tell. I can just <laughs> fucking tell, man. He had that vibe. He had that vibe. I just knew it. I knew it. He had that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Trust your instincts. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. My lizard brain was like, not that one. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. All right, so what did you guys think about this little stroll down memory lane and where it all began? I thought this was great. I was a little worried that you guys might revolt after having to watch silent movies and black and white movies, but I'm so glad we did this because I think this was really fun and a great little glimpse into the history of film for women. Yeah, yeah, me too. Mm Mm-hmm. How about you, Sarah? Are you furious? <laughs> Sarah was ready to like <laughs> no, no, be like, let's just I'm not glad, even celebrate it this, this year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm I'm glad we did this. It was cool to to you know check it out and find out these women were a very integral part yeah. of how did they end up just completely gone from it? Yeah, I wonder. I think we know. <laughs> I have an idea, mm-hmm. but you're right. You can easily tokenize them. But from the very beginning, women were having major influences in the creation of the industry, which is just more infuriating why it's so hard to make space for women to this yeah, day. Yeah, and, and in creating yeah. tropes and techniques that are still used. Women are not mm-hmm. insurgent. We were at the be- very beginning. Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. From mm-hmm. the start. They were, it, it, yeah, yeah. That's it. That's one of the really cool takeaways I get from this is women have been creating horror from the very, very beginning. They were the founding mothers of film. You know, they were a yeah. part of that. Mm-hmm. And that's that's super, super cool. Yeah. And I think it's a great time to take some time to celebrate women who have kind of been lost to history. Yeah. All right. Any other thoughts overall, ladies? I mean, I would just say these movies are free to watch on YouTube. So go check them out. You can watch all three in an hour and a half and, you know, have a great experience. Agreed. I bet you, Matilda, Mm -hmm. any final thoughts? No, it was really fun. And it was also fun to do some research and hear about the director's lives, kind of the context coming Mm -hmm. into this. That's not something I tend to know unless I really know a lot about a director, which is kind of rare for me. That's not something I tend to know even about modern directors. And so it was really fun to do that research and kind of see and think about what went into the making of these. Definitely. Yeah, I agree yeah awesome all right well that is it for i guess for our women in horror episode another great great 
little breach and I think I feel like every time I come away from it learning something new whether about women I, that are under the radar now and and now women who have been a, under the radar from the very beginning so I am really glad we did this hopefully you guys at home enjoyed it as well if you did or if you have any questions or thoughts or things you'd like to hear us cover in the upcoming episodes please drop us a line at rachel at zombiegirls.com or hit us up over on our Facebook page if you're enjoying the show review us on Apple Podcasts and if you want to support us we have a Patreon so head over to patreon.com forward slash zombie girls and support us there and you'll get to enjoy all of our bonus episodes as well as our extended episode this time we're gonna be talking about the state of women and hormones and what we think about the future and all that fun stuff just kind of bullshitting (laughs) so if you just want to hang out a little bit longer this will be your chance but you definitely want the bonus episodes (laughs) yeah you don't want to miss out on that content like no i mean if you think like oh i don't want any heavy content don't worry it's not (laughs) it's the opposite it's us being tipsy and goofy and if you want a real look at our personalities go yeah. to those bonus episodes <laughs> right. or or if you just want to hear us tell really embarrassing stories about ourselves yeah you gotta hear about you gotta hear the one about ariel in the woods <laughs> this this month's bonus episode is about love so we're gonna be talking about all kinds of love and sex related things and embarrassing stories from our yeah. past all right so you got poison oak by from fucking in the woods you're not uh, wrong. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's a not little different all. than that, but you're not you're not too far off. <laughs> Can't be as bad as my buddy who got a spider bite on his balls from pissing in the woods. Oh, okay, wow. yeah, no, it's not that bad. It's oh, not that bad. It's not that bad. If you're afraid of spiders. <laughs> Uh, I forgot to pick a streaming pick, so I'm gonna cheat and say you should watch all these movies we just reviewed on YouTube. Yes, yeah. you should. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Until next time, Ariel, take us out. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Zombie Girls. We're so glad that you stuck with us and helped us to celebrate Women in Horror Month. If you're part of the Patreon, stick with us because we're going to be talking about some more Women in Horror Month content. And otherwise, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Thanks, everybody, for listening and to all my co-hosts for waking up early every month just to talk about horror movies with me production on this episode was done by yours truly our theme song for the show is 80s halloween horror by megan mcduffie